Hello, and welcome to Just Keep Riding While Black, a podcast for writers. By writers. To keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Kevin. And I'm Brent. Nailed it. Welcome to the show, Kevin. How you doing? <laughs> I'm pretty good. Thanks. How are you? Great. All right, Brent. So, okay. So I get to introduce uh, one of my old friends, uh, Kevin. Kevin Ramirez. Me and Kevin went to college together, actually, mm-hmm. in um, Columbus State in Georgia. So um, Kevin met me when I was a much more... I guess doe-eyed writer, I would say. Like I think I was a, I think I was a lot more. Um, I didn't know anything about the business side of it. You know, I was just very much excited about writing and just trying to, you know, just create shit and just, you know, um, yeah, just trying to like put words out there. So I met Kevin, and at the time, you know, I was we were in a couple of different writing groups together, actually. And you know, when I would uh, read Kevin's stuff, I always just used to be like. God, this is like such mature prose and it's so much better than what I'm capable of at the moment. And, you know, so I just always uh, really respected Kevin's writing. So um, for this month, you know, we're, uh, we've been doing Just Keep Writing While Black. We're trying to get that started up again. And so um, most of the time we talk about genre fiction on here. But uh, Kevin, actually, he has a much more like literary style. And I was like, oh, that'd be really cool to kind of like have that on here and, you know, talk a little bit about that and and um, touch on some areas that like me and Marshall don't necessarily write in. So mm-hmm. like, I figured it'd be a good thing. And also to, you know, um, someone who, who knew me before, uh, before all of present day stuff that's been going on. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was just kind of my thought process here. So I'm happy to have Kevin with us tonight so we can kind of discuss some of his work and some of the differences, you know, and how to approach literary fiction, you know, versus genre fiction and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm actually really excited uh, about this conversation too, because when I went to college and you just got me thinking about college again, I have like, you know, I was close to joining the creative writing concentration. I'm at, I was at UC Santa Cruz, but it was all literary. Like, and I, and I didn't have, I was writing stories like that, but like really my love was for speculative fiction and it was, it was rough being in workshops and stuff back then, uh, especially yeah. as the only black guy in there. So I just, I'm, I'm very curious to see where you, and I have read, I, I got some stuff from Brent. I've read some of your stuff, so I'm excited to chat with you. So welcome to the show and welcome to just keep writing while black. This is an awesome month. It's, it's February. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> got in there a day one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to kind of piggyback off something Marshall said. So um, one of the things, you know, I think actually, I experienced some of that whole thing, you know, literary folks kind of like being harsh with genre stuff. But I can honestly say, you know, um, with Kevin and some of the other people in our program, they were very open to like, <laughs> look, I wrote, I, I had a bat shit story that I was writing and I had like 30 pages of a map. This war was ridiculously big oh, for, no map. <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. And, you know, but they embraced it. They dealt with all my crazy imagination and creativity. So, you know, I think sometimes we get this idea that, you know, literary people like kind of like look down on genre people or genre people have issues with literary people, which I think some of those things do exist. But, you know, I was very lucky to find uh, folks like Kevin, who, you know, were totally open to listening to my craziness and, and all these things I came up with unnecessarily. So, <laughs> all right. But that with that aside, let's kind of uh, dive in here. So, um, 
we have a question that we normally ask uh, everyone that comes on board. So, um, but I'm going to twist it a little bit just okay. because, you know, we've known each other for, shit, I don't know, since college. Well, not, I'm not going to date myself. So since college. <laughs> I was about to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So if you had to um, describe your writing journey in three words, what would those three words be and Ooh. why? Three words. Um, let's see. I would say it's tough to say because I recently went through a bit of a change as a writer, like as of maybe six months ago. So the person you knew as a writer, I don't think I am anymore as of late. Um, so, okay. Three words. That was like 20. And they don't have to be connected either. Just yeah, three yeah, 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 yeah. 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 They could be just like three. <laughs> I am good. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> um, I will say, transformative um i would say mentor and um wide-eyed like you just said like doe-eyed yeah put a hyphen in there so (laughs) doe-eyed um you know what i love this question because i feel like we literally never have anyone who says the same words ever ever so um okay so i'm gonna go through each of them and i kind of want you to unpack like why you say that okay Uh, i i want to hear the transformative one because that what you just said like really like i'm like curious now i want to know like how have you changed as a writer? Um, okay, so I would say um, I think it really all started happening with um, when we had the George Floyd killing. Mm-hmm. Not to you know take this down a, a sad path, but I was in Dallas at the time. I live in Austin right now, and in Dallas, when the killing happened, we had a riot like right outside my house. Like that shit was crazy. Like I saw a flashbang grenade right outside my window, and I was like, Ooh. "Man, sound like Ooh. a war zone." Um, the fires and stuff, and I think it all started happening there is when I started having trouble writing. I was going through stuff with work, and I was like, I don't really know. Um, I don't feel comfortable going outside now as a black man, and right, right. Um, it just I had a whole lot of stuff changing with me, and I didn't realize my writing was being affected until all of a sudden I couldn't put a sentence together anymore. And um, I made the connection; it was that it happened with the um, George Floyd killing, but. I think that was the catalyst. But then what I understood was that who I was as a writer when you first met me, Brent, was I was so focused on becoming published. Like, I wanted to be like 20 something new. I want to be out there. Kevin Ramirez is the hot new writer out there. And I wanted to, like, I wanted to be it. And so um, I wrote my first novel, I think, right when we started talking. Yeah. Yeah, you read it too. And it got 40 consecutive no's. I sent that thing to everybody could find 40 consecutive no's. And, um, that stung a lot. So I went back to the drawing board and I started trying to figure out what am I missing as a writer? Um, but that was way back in college. But um, so going back to recently, I just stopped writing for a while and I kept trying every now and then, but um, it just wasn't happening. I met a creative coach actually, and she ended up helping me realize that I'm actually more of a, um, a coach and a mentor than a writer. I'm a coach who writes rather than just a writer who, helps other people. Yeah. Um, and that approach, along with some other techniques, she helped me discover like writing without a, a set path uh, really unlocked a lot of stuff for me. So when I say transformative, I mean like I learned how to write without having to know exactly where I'm going to end up and how I'm going to get there. You know, start off with an idea and then just wander around and see what happens. And the stories I said you guys are the one, the first three stories I wrote using that kind of style. Um, and approach to writing. 
Okay, I have so many questions, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go through the rest of the words. Oh, okay. So your second word was that was mentor. So mentor. That one. So you kind of touched on that. All right. So though, oh, though, why the why not was it the last one? Either word. Okay. Let's let's unpack that one. That um. So when I <clears throat> met my creative coach and she was telling me about, she read some of my older stuff, the stuff that you've read, Brett, mm-hmm. and her um her opinion right at the bat was like, it feels very cold and distant and sterile. That's what she said. And I was like, okay, damn, I've never heard it described like that. And she said, it felt like I worked it and worked it and worked it so much that it just, it didn't really feel organic. She said it was good writing, but she felt like it wasn't uh, very welcoming. And I was like, I, I've never heard of my stuff described like that. And this is the stuff I've been saying to all the publishers and stuff. So no wonder I was getting those right. So then we've been talking about how to, I don't know if I've told you about this, but when I, my old approach to writing was I need to, I always believed that I would write something that um, a person could just read and then just determine what it's about on their own. Right. Um, right. Open-ended and ambiguous. But in actuality, I was really like saying, this is what it's about. I'm going to hold your hand and take you there. And I didn't realize that until I started not being able to write anymore. And so when I took that approach and said, okay, I need to make it really, really open-ended and make it really welcoming and make it so that you can determine what's, what it's about and what it means to you and stop thinking about that so much, that sort of changed how I, um, how I wrote and how I approached writing. So when I say doe-wide, I mean like, this is a whole new world for me now. Like this is a whole new approach. I feel like a new writer. I feel great. I've, only, I've written about six stories now so far um, since I've changed. And I've written a whole lot before then that I, don't even really look at it anymore so i feel really excited to be a writer now that is so okay so that not to say like this is what i was looking for but like i knew in my head i knew one of the things that that would come out of this is just like us being able to like talk about the ways that like we're so much different from college versus like now and like you know how the writing has changed so Ah, I mean, I, I'm I'm actually very happy to hear like you know you feel like you're back into the game and you know mm-hmm. you're invigorated because I know one of those things is like I was always in my head like you know being back in college I was always like oh yeah Kevin's gonna make it Kevin's doing Kevin's gonna do big things you know I always had like in my head in, especially in every writing group we we were in I was always like oh Kevin's like the quarterback like he's the one that's mm-hmm. like the He's gonna he's gonna lead the team to victory, but um, yeah. So that's just really interesting. Can I can I throw something out there real quick too? Um, yeah. Just in response to what you said about um, the George Floyd killing, because that that was a moment for me as well. Like, and I haven't been published in fiction, but in a response to that killing, I actually was published in, on NBC News for writing an article. Wow. I wrote an article on my blog, just like trying to deal with everything I felt. And then it got, I, I wrote another version of it for NBC, which, which was awesome. But at the same time, it's like everything now that I'm writing fiction wise, I feel like is I can't go back to writing what I was doing before because it wasn't, it wasn't saying enough. I don't know if that makes any sense. It wasn't, I don't know what it's, I don't want to say it wasn't black enough, but, but really that's kind of what the first thing that pops into my head is like, I need to be telling a story that's representative of what I'm going through and what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. 
And what I'm still trying to process, you know, um, especially in the upside down freaking world, I feel like we're in right now. So, um, but I, 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 I love that you said that you couldn't write and when you did, it had to be different. And I just, I can totally feel that. So I just had, I just had to say it before Brent gets to his question. No, no, and no, I lose it. <laughs> now you're making me think like, I'm sitting here like, what was I doing at that time? So I guess with, with me, it was a bit of, um, it was me realizing like how full of shit some of this industry is when it yeah. comes to that, because at the time, of course, you know, um, because of that killing and I, and I, and it's still something I wrestle with even to this day because of that. And because of Breonna Taylor fire magazine, all of a sudden got this influx of money from people who, you know, these good white folks and mm-hmm. other folks who needed to feel like they were doing something started throwing money our way or, you know, they started um, doing these initiatives where like, oh, well, my inbox is open for black writers or, you know, oh, mm. I want to do this for black writers. Which, now it's open. Right, now it's open. That's <laughs> the first. Now it's right. open. But then the second thing is, it's like, you want me to work on something when we're all collectively grieving? Like, this isn't like, this is a, a moment of collective trauma and you're basically saying, well, if you have a great story, send it my way. <laughs> like, well, yeah. I'm not even thinking about telling the story right now. So, mm-hmm. and, and, it, it, and in a way, like, I try to not think too much about this path just because sometimes it, it becomes depressing, but there's almost a direct path in some ways between, like, that killing and Fire becoming a pro magazine that could pay pro rates. And then us winning this Hugo. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it's like this is this 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 chain that unfortunately I had to realize like some of these people are only gonna pay attention to us when they have some trauma to look at or some pain to feel bad about. And for me at least, I was more determined than ever. I was like, I'm gonna write stories with black people where we don't have to deal with that shit. Where we mm-hmm. can just, you know, I always I always say this on the show, but I'm like, I just want a story where a black person can ride a fucking dragon and they can just yes. ride. Why do I have to? Why does it have to? Do, do I have to have like racist wizards after me too? Right. Like, can I just ride the dragon? So I think <laughs> after you. that, I was very much more determined than ever. I'm like, I'm gonna write those stories where we get to exist in worlds where we don't have to deal with that shit. So you made me think of that, Marshall. Well, and and it's funny because that you say the thing about Faya and getting the Hugo and that kind of connective tissue between those events and that, because as soon as I wrote that piece and all of a sudden somebody, you know, my friend reached out to me, which was wonderful. And all of a sudden, okay, I got an opportunity to write a different version and be published. Okay. That aside, then I was on a, I can't remember the exact progression of events, but I got invited to a town hall with Jared Huffman, the, you know, the representative for our area. And then, and and I was on with Karen Bass. And then I got invited to that stupid citizens commission. I've been a part of for the last year and a half to try to change the name of my fucking racist town. And it's like, (laughs) I don't, why am I now? I want to be involved. I want to help, but I don't have the bandwidth for any of this shit. I just want to write my stories. I want to write the story of the, of, of, of the black dude on the fucking dragon at this point, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I'm just, I'm, I'm tired of that part of it. And so part of yeah. that stuff is far, starting to, you know, fall away, which is great. And then now hopefully I could write my dragon story or some version of that <laughs> as Brent yeah. says. <laughs> yeah. No, that, you know, that's just that, that, that definitely kind of infused itself afterwards for me. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I like that. We're kind of like talking about, 
I guess, story and like our approach to it, because this kind of leads into my next question. So, and I really am interested to hear this now that you say you're a new writer, because I felt like I knew the answer when I wrote down a question, but now I don't. So this is going to be cool. Um, okay. What is your personal philosophy that behind creating a, a good story? I know I'm playing with the heavy hitters. I'm just like. <laughs> it's a big question. I've always been big on the idea that you never know enough when it comes to writing. Right. Um, and that's something when, that I had to learn when I did my first novel. I thought I knew it. Like I was like, I got my novel down. I'm ready to go. People are going to love it. And when it got all those no's, I asked myself, what am I missing? What am I, why is it not getting the acceptance that I thought it would get? Um, part of that is because I was putting too much of my identity into being published, being successful, you know? Um, but another part of that was that. Sure, I learned some stuff. I read some authors in my first creative writing class in college, right? Isn't that how we always like the freshman learn takes a political yeah. science class, all of a sudden they want to like go save the Amazon rainforest or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I learned I had to learn like there are so many techniques and so many authors and so many styles that I don't know about that I need to go and study up on. And so I read different authors and I read different stories and techniques and then try and put my own identity and spin on it and then incorporate that in my own writing. So my personal philosophy of writing is you never know enough. Um, and don't think you do. Don't think you're an expert in something because there's always somebody who can show you a new technique or introduce you to a new story or a new style. Um, and that can change you as a writer at any given moment. Right. No, I love that because it's absolutely true. I mean, you, you can never... That's the thing I think I love the most about writing is like you never will hit a wall where it's like, oh, well, you've mastered writing. You can know you can learn nothing else. Like, no, right. there's literally this is literally like a lifelong process where you can, you know, there's always ways to get better. Like there's mm -hmm. always ways to improve and, you know, grow and stretch yourself. So, And uh, real quick, before I forget, we were talking yeah. in the beginning about literary writing versus genre yeah. writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could say, OK. I chose to be a literary writer because it was easier for me. Genre writing is intimidating. And I've gotten into it a little bit more, um, you know, in the past. But when I first started writing, I'm like, literary writing is universal. You talk about universal truths. You talk about things that you can just boil down and um, anybody can relate to. But this idea of writing genre fiction where it's plot based and you have to think about pace, think about arcs and, um, you know, you focus too much on the character and all of a sudden it's boring because you're not bringing the, the action along with you, right? That was intimidating to me. And I was like, I don't know if I can do all that shit. So let me just focus on something I know I can do. So I got good at literary writing because I was scared to try genre writing. So it's that not is, like literary is any better than that's, genre. That's interesting. That is such an interesting viewpoint because I swear to God, I feel the exact opposite. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I am terrified of literary writing because I'm like, you mean to tell me I can't? I can't have magic. Like I can't. I can't. Like I can't. I can't just make up something to fix the problem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. I. I. I used to. And I still do. I actually very much admire literary writers because I'm like, how do you take the everyday and make it into you know something intense and and meaningful and emotional and actually impactful and and yeah, I've always been like I was like I can't write that shit. Like I'm just not. <laughs> Like I'm not equipped for it. Like there's no way. Like, 
Yeah, no, that's such an interesting viewpoint. I'm, I, I guarantee when people listen to this, there's going to probably be some comments about this. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait to see what happens in the Discord. But but my my thing is, is I'm with you on, with Brent for sure. Like, I mean, I've written literary fiction, obviously, because of, you know, when I was in college and stuff. But like, I'm like, OK, I can kind of do this. But like, where's the magic? Like, where's right. the where's where are the elves? Like, can I, can I, can I throw that in there? And will people not scoff at, scoff at me, you know? And so, yeah, yeah no, for me, um, the, that is, uh, I'm the exact opposite, but I, I totally appreciate it. Cause I mean, you, I mean, we'll talk about some of your work here in a minute, I imagine, but I mean, you please do what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, like, I, I mean, there's just, for, for me, I guess the uh, reason I like lean on why I used to think genre was the easier of the two was because I feel like genre has its own built-in language already. So like certain things I can say and the typical genre reader is going to already know what right. I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to like dig as deep into it. But I think that was one of the benefits of being like with like you and, and some of the others in the writing group is that I didn't, y'all forced me to like not lean on that built-in language. Like I mm-hmm. had to learn. How we to... didn't know. Yeah, y'all didn't know. We y'all were like, know. what the fuck does this mean? Y'all were like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Y'all would be like, they'd be like, wait, what? Where does this come from? So I'm really I'm I would encourage it, people listening, like if if you can find people who don't write what you write and are willing to read it, like that's actually Definitely. a really good way to grow yourself. Cause that actually forced me to really like think about like, well, am, am I just doing this because I think it's cool? Or like, what's the actual story reason? Like, let me make this make sense. And, you know, yeah. Like, cause I remember sometimes I would be like, damn, I just thought everybody knew that. And it was like, no, not everybody does. Like that's a built-in community thing. So yeah. Um, I, I forgot where I was going with this, but, <laughs> but yeah, needless to say, like you, you, you're doing your thing in the literary side for sure. Thank so, you. um, Okay, so yeah, Marshall, we kind of talked about getting into your work here. So I, I, I actually have one question, like right off the bat. So your endings of your story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, when I read them, the first thing I thought I was like, man, like uh, this is some Flannery O'Connor stuff right here. Like this <laughs> is the way, like the endings they aren't. Cause see, I think it, I think it would be too easy to call them abrupt because I don't think they're abrupt. They're on, they're uncomfortable. Like they, yeah. they. <laughs> that, okay, I'm gonna change my word. One of the words about my writing is uncomfortable. Well, yeah. okay. Check out on, on that note, and we're talking about endings. Uh, the one, that, the recapturing that spark one, the ending with the little mini umbrella and the glass. I'm like, what the. I'm like, okay, okay. I see what you're doing here. I was like, and and it's uncomfortable. It it was a, it was, and but abrupt isn't the right word. You're right. It was like, okay, I see where this is going, but damn, like damn, like yeah, (laughs) like no, there was um, (laughs) I got, I got, I just got pulled up. There was one story. I was literally reading it, and I'm like, I'm cringing. I'm cringing for these characters the entire time, like. It the, wasn't the swinger one, right? Or the no, no, no. swinger it was, it was one. The one? It was the one where um, it, it felt like it was implied that she had an abortion and so he like, yeah. took her out to eat and all that. That, that was, was so, so, so uncomfortable. Like, it was just... <laughs> and there's something and so, about and there's something about how you capture that back and forth, that uncomfortableness in a conversation of people that are together, but 
are trying to work through something as they're having the conversation, like, like, yes. and, and, and I'm going to bring it back to the other story too, where the couple is, um, is trying to deal with, you know, opening the relationship. And the beginning was like, okay, this whole conversation, I'm a married guy. I've been married. I've been with my wife now 20 years. Like I've had this fucking conversation. It's like, this is like, okay, you're dealing with this stuff. Therapist says whatever. And it's like, then they get in separate cars. Like, Oh wait, wait, the fuck is happening. And then Mm -hmm. that, but those conversations you did, you, you do a really well, really good job of um, capturing those, those uncomfortable moments of people that are talking that maybe don't want to be talking to each other. Yes. Or yes. shouldn't be talking to each other or mm-hmm. have some ulterior motive of why they're talking to each other. So I thought that was really, really interesting. And it's not like they actively hate each other. It's like they have, um, they, they, they just have this conflict and it's like they're, they're talking in circles. I mean, literally, like if anybody wants to know how to do dialogue with subtext, like, they should read those three stories. Like there's subtext all in it. So I guess, you know, um, circling back. So with your endings, um, why do those type of endings sort of speak to you as a writer? Like what about those endings kind of appeals to you? So one thing that hasn't changed since I've been writing from the very beginning is um, I love minimalism. And I know you guys do genre fiction, so I'm not sure how familiar your audience is with that concept, but um just very briefly, it's the idea that um, you take down all the details that make up a story and toss out anything that's not necessary. Um, sometimes I don't even name my characters. It's just the man and the woman because uh, it's not important. Um, I don't describe how they look unless it's you know important to the story in some way. Um, and with minimalism in my writing, it's something I've loved since I first read Dreaming Carver in college mm. with Dr. Norwood. Yeah, Dr. <laughs> and, uh, Norwood. <laughs> I got some Carver books on my shelf back here from college. <laughs> He's my favorite author. Yeah. Um, and I just love the idea of um, snapshot literature where it feels like you're walking down the street, right? And you peek in someone's window as you're walking and you see someone, maybe they're arguing or maybe, you know, having sex or something. I don't know. But the idea is you don't stop. You just keep moving. And when the story ends, it ends because you left their window. So the conversation is still happening, though you're not there. But um, the idea is that life doesn't have a set beginning and a set end. Um, so I like to think of my stories as just snapshots of just a moment. Um, so the endings, the way they are, um, yeah, I don't think they're abrupt. It's just um, that's just where it happened to end in that moment, you know? Yeah, and like each one is like you know when it ends, it's just like there's a couple. The, the, there was one I was like, I don't even want to know what happens next. Like I'm fine. Like that's enough. I I peaked enough. I don't want to peak anymore. Like I'm okay. Oftentimes I don't even think about the ending after that. Like if someone yeah. says what happened after that, I'm like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like look, just leave. Like I mean, the one with you know the sort of I I felt like it was a commentary on like sort of um. The post, like the the uh, doomsday, like white supreme, white nationalist, like rhetoric about like civilization, and you know how it kind of took a cannibalistic turn. But I did not want to know any more about that one. I'm like, I'm fine. I, I, <laughs> I have seen, I have seen enough. Like that was, you know that, and that one was interesting. I think because um, I know you like we we discussed like you 
kind of lean more literary, but that one to me definitely had a chord of like horror, mm-hmm. thriller to it, sort of. That was my first little, attempt to write a horror story. Yeah, and a little post-apocalyptic almost in its in in the perspective of the protagonist too. Like right, I thought that right. was really interesting. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No. It, well, if that was your first attempt, um, good job. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, that was terrifying. That was terrifying. That was terrifying. <laughs> it was terrifying, and, and and you know the way you ended it, it just felt like it. It kind of actually felt like um one of those like French horror movies because they do that a lot where they just like have these like uncomfortable endings where you're not quite sure what the hell happens Mm -hmm. but yeah so that was just yeah i i liked all of it and and you know what that that is true what you said about minimalism i was like well that very much has stayed the same from where from college for now (laughs) but yeah to maybe kind of help explain the people a little bit in terms of like because i was thinking i was like well what's a good way to explain in terms of genre that people might understand so there's something in like when we talk about world building where we talk about like we want the world to feel lived in. So sometimes that like involves creating characters that, you know, as the author, like, you know, their entire life history or whatever, you know more about them than the reader ever will. Mm -hmm. But you have to present it on the page in such a way that, you know, the reader walks away feeling like, Oh, I may not know what happens on that street, but I know that street has strip clubs at some point. That's you know, <laughs> probably some bullshit happening. Like, you know, like, so it, it, I think not quite the same thing, but if people need something they can kind of attach to, think of it in that way. But yeah, with you, are, with these being more short stories, I know like you had some novel work in the past. Are you working on anything like novel length at the moment? Or are you just focusing more on the short stories? I'm doing some short stories. I had a collection I was working on the second one, my second collection. Um, and then the writing block happened. So I stopped with yeah. it. Um, but then, um, so I'm working on short stories. I'm working on a couple of novellas and then hopefully working up to a novel again. So I'm working on a, two short stories now and a novella also. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, I, that was more like a for me question. Like, I just, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I'm going to take it back. I'll stop being selfish. Like get, get into uh, audience questions. So, when you talk about minimalism, is that is it hard to do that sometimes when you know thinking about like blackness or whatever in terms of like an audience? So like if you because I know a lot of times right readers will if you don't describe something as like black or you know Hispanic or whatever they're going to immediately default to white in their head. So yes. is that a challenge sometimes with minimalism and if you have an intention of telling something with like a racial bent to it? That's a really good question, and it's actually something I thought about like a couple of weeks ago. So, if I can be honest, yeah, I kind of I realize I do the same thing too. When I have a character in my head, um, or the start of a character, I just start thinking of, okay, what are they? And they immediately just come to me, and I was just, all right, that's who they are. And then I realize, why are so many of my characters white, and why is there no, if there's no um, necessary need for them to be Asian or Hispanic or whatever? Why do they just default to white? And that bothered me for a while. Um, for my novel, for instance, the main character ended up being white, and I don't know why. Um, but then his um, the secondary character, who ended up being his love interest, ended up being black. And it just felt like the natural fit for me. Um, to be honest, I don't really have a good, solid answer for you because it's a deep question, actually. Yeah. I'm still trying to unpack that. But yeah, I don't like the idea of that default being that way. So 
if it ends up being where I have to describe a person more for whatever reason, um, and there's not a specific reason why they need to be a certain way. Yeah. I think the last story I wrote, I gave him, I made him black. Yeah. And then another story made a woman black too. But yeah, I think this has a lot to us as about writers and readers in that um, yeah. when we go to school, the majority of the things we're taught are white literature. Right. And it right. kind of gets ingrained in you without even really knowing it. Right. So maybe that's something we can break ourselves out of, or maybe not even break, but like consider why are the characters the way they are? You know? Yeah. I mean, I know we both have a story. I see Marshall over there. So yeah, you go, know, you, you, yeah. you go ahead, Brent. Oh, well, I, well, I was, the reason I kind of asked is because, you know, even with all my world building, all my crazy maps, all my, you know, creatures and histories and all that, some of the first things I was creating, like half of the characters were white. Yeah. I had some black ones and you, but, but I couldn't even envision a world that was entirely black. Mm-hmm. And, it, and you know, I got to a point, I'm like, well, why the fuck not? Like, th- th- these people will Lord the Rings us to death with all these, you know, pale, pasty white people everywhere. And it's, why, why is it so impossible to imagine, you know, a world that's entirely black? So I I think, I definitely think it's um an indoctrination thing that, like, yeah. all writers of color, especially here in the West, like, have to have to kind of fight through at some point. Um, but as I even asked you that question, I realized like it sucks to have to even ask that question because white writers never have to even think twice. About exactly. It, right? Exactly. And, you know, and I was like, that's, that's the bullshit of uh, sometimes being in these creative fields. It's like, we have the added pressure of not only do we have to exceed and tell stories twice as good as them to even get half as much, we also have to think about like the intention behind every single thing that we do. And yeah. So to, to that point, I guess, yeah, it's just, it kind of sucks that I even have to like ask that question because it's not something that white creators have to think about. Well, no. And, and, and the fact that you asked that question, I think is why we're having this session with, with three black dudes here to have this conversation because I felt the same way forever. My default characters were white. Why am I writing white characters? Like all of them were like, I mean, even going back, I mean, and granted, I think part of it, a big part of it was what I was reading, you know, even in like uh, some of the fantasy I was reading and stuff. I mean, the main characters were, were still white, you know, and, and, and what Brent said, I think is important because I've had conversations where people know that I'm the author of something and then they read it. And then they ask me, well, I was having a hard time picturing this character. So basically they're trying to ask, is he white? Is he black? Is yeah. he, you know what I mean? It's like, well, fuck you. How about that? Because I yeah. mean, and like Brent said, like a white writer is never going to get asked like this question, right? Or at least not in the same way. And so what right, I find right. really interesting is like, okay, I think what I was saying earlier about how I, I, I wanted to write more, black stories it wasn't more of that i wanted to write more black characters i wanted to make sure it was very clear that my characters were black i didn't care you know whether there's a racial strife or anything going on like i wanted to make sure that my characters were how i envisioned them in my head and why in my head sometimes does it still default to white and i find that really interesting and i think you're right the indoctrination of just uh, of the stuff we read and the stuff and, and the audience that we think that we're 
maybe trying to uh, approach too, I think might have something to do with that. I don't know. I just, that just popped into my head right now too. That's, that's a whole different yeah. problem. You know, yeah. I love movies just as much as I love writing. Mm-hmm. Um, one day I want to write a screenplay, but that's a whole nother beast. Mm-hmm. But um, I told my wife recently, I'm like, I'm tired of slave movies. I'm tired of, mm-hmm. um, I'm tired of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X movies. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen many Malcolm X movies. Thank you. Um, I'll give a pass to um, Black Judas and the, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. That movie was awesome. But I'm tired of slave movies. And why does every black movie have to be like slavery or segregation or whatever? I'm like, I'm not watching that shit anymore. And then right. I'm like, why did the second black person or black man ever win black, our best out, actor, Denzel Washington? Why was it when he was playing the crooked cop? You mm-hmm. know? Right. Um, right. Why did Sidney Poitier die, but we only talked about Bob Saget and Betty White? Right. Um, and I'm like, so I feel all that towards movies and I'm very adamant. I'm very vehement about it. Like you have a perfectly good movie, happy movie, right? All of them white characters. Why couldn't one be black? You know, you're every right. black. Why is it the comic relief or whatever? So right. I feel that with movies, but then I feel guilty because I don't apply that to my writing. And I'm still trying to reconcile that, I guess. Um, well, and the other problem that you said, and, and sorry, the other problem that you said earlier too was like, Oh, the side character I made black or this character I made black or in that movie, why can't one or two characters be black? Like, okay, why can't all of them be black? Can it just be a, a movie with a bunch of black people? Like I, and, right. and why is it we're having this conversation? And I think it's, it's really layered and problematic, but at the same time I, I'm with you. I watch, I love movies and it's like, you're absolutely right. I mean, how long have we talked about Betty White and Bob Saget, who are amazing, but Cindy Poitier was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And that story is not being told as well as the others. So I don't know. Right. No, that, I, I totally, I totally agree. And I think, and I, and you know, to your point about like, you know, why can't it just all be black? Um, Dwayne McDuffie, who was an amazing, you know, uh, comic book creator, storyteller, just, you know, all out great guy. He talked about the rule of three, where if you had three of any of the same marginalized group in um, a story, people would start to call it a black story. They would call it a gay story. They would call it, you know, whatever. You could never have more than three, which isn't even true to life. Like, it's it's so funny how people... They push back against, like, I see it all the time. People push back against, like, oh, wow, the character's gay in this story. Have you met gay people? They only ever hang around other gay people. Like, that tends to be how it works. <laughs> it tends to be the same with black people. Like, people, mm-hmm. you know, it, yeah. So it's just, it's it's interesting to me that, you know, I think sometimes audiences, it's not even that they think it's not realistic. They just don't care about a story that doesn't have them centered in it in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you see it all the time. Look at look at look at nerddom, where you have like literally you have one Star Wars movie with you know a, a mostly a female with mostly men of color, and people lose their shit. Like, yeah. oh, that changed my Star Wars. You have thirty seven other movies of white men. <laughs> just, just the one like is enough to set you off, and you know. So I think it it's it it kind of sucks because we as like black creators we got to be way more thoughtful about it than like the white default ever has to be about mm-hmm. their stuff mm-hmm. and yeah so it just sucks that, that that as i asked the question i was even thinking i was like it sucks i even got to ask this question right. like white people yeah. don't have to do this 
So yeah. But, but we also the fact that we're having the conversation is important because we have a pretty wide audience in here too. And right. and this is something like when I run up against something like at work, for example, you know, we've been, you know, say what you want about where I live, but my district has been trying to do so. We brought a black dude in to talk about bias with our staff, right? right. And I think I talked about this the other night with you, Brent, but like, you know, he had a section off and move around the room. And the people that identified as non-white, there's six of us. And this is two, this is two sites, middle school and high school. And like the rest of the room is not. And half our staff or half our clientele is Hispanic, right? And so you have this dynamic, but at the same time, it's like, okay, we're the non we're the non-white folks in this one corner, but what do we what do, what does this say about us? Like, what is it? What are we trying to, what are we trying to do here? Because we can talk all day about what people think and stuff, but like at the same time, uh, that's, that's the reality is like right, right. the makeup of what we have around us. And it just gets, it gets really frustrating trying to have that conversation with people because we have a wider audience that listens to this show. But my wife always says like the, the white people are the ones that need to be mad and stick up and say like, no, that shitty thing you just said, like we need to forget the past. Fuck you. The white people need to say that because if I say it, I'm just the angry black guy saying it. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's the, right. and that's the inherent problem in that conversation. So, right. um, so the fact that we're having this conversation is important because this is my roundabout way of getting to this point. It's important because hopefully in those instances, the folks that love us, that listen to us will be like, I will stick up. I will say something in that moment and say, no, you're just being shitty and that's your white privilege showing, put it away for a minute. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. Yeah. And I, you know, and I hope too, that, you know, they, they, I always tell people like, think about like what you consume and like why you consume it. And, you know, because it even goes back to like how we were all just talking about like, why did we, why did we default to white? Mm. Well, I think probably it has something to do with like what we we're consuming, why we were consuming it, you know, the things that we weren't thinking about. Like, I mean, I know we talked about it before, like challenging your reading. Like, are you intentionally seeking out readers that don't look like you? Are right. people authors who don't look like you and right. you know have different perspectives than you? But I know Kevin mentioned it earlier, like writers, you never ever stop learning. And I think you have to be intentional in that learning too, where like you have to seek out writers that, you know, are minimalists, are writers who write in a non-Western story structure and so on and so forth to, if you really, really want to kind of grow as a writer. So, mm-hmm. but, all right, so switch it gears, because that made me think, okay, so this is a, this should be a fun question. Okay, if you could go back to tell your college writing self, like, something to just give them advice. Give give Kevin from college advice on how to continue to approach writing. What would you tell him? I would say that your identity doesn't isn't tied to what some asshole at a desk says. You know, um, my I got derailed early with those. I call it forty consecutive no's. It's like the a pinpoint in my life, right? Yeah. Um, what did I say in the What If series? It's a um, unchangeable moment. It's a um, a point that you can't change. It's oh, the, the fixed point. Yeah. Fixed yeah. Point, yeah. 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 It's a fixed point in my life. Um, it's important because um, one, it knocked me down a peg. 
or three pegs, really. Um, I thought I was hot shit. I was 20 something years old, wrote a novel. I'm like, yeah, this, this is it. Right. Um, but then it taught me that one, like I already said, there's so much more to learn. And two, that, um, and it goes beyond writing too, that who you are as a person isn't tied to what someone thinks of you. Right. It's, um, if 50 people say you're a fantastic writer, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a really good writer. It could mean you have 50 yes men, right? Mm-hmm. And vice versa. Right. Um, so learning who you are is like, it's a, it's a lifelong process really. And um, when I was talking to my creative coach, she said that um, when we were talking, she said that my strength, it really is helping other people write and become better writers. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to be a writer myself. Um, and she said, this is true because I tell her about all the insecurities I have as a writer. I tell her about like when I write a paragraph and like something doesn't feel right. So I'll toss it um, and I'll overthink things and say, I, so-and-so is not going to like this. And so I should probably tailor it to them or whatever. When I'm talking to guys like you, or I'm talking to people who um, ask me for my opinion on their writing for feedback, it comes naturally. I don't even think about it. It's just, I know what to say. And I feel it's a conversation, you know, is it feels right, good. Right. Um, and she said that's really important because so many times we think of ourselves as, in, let's take it to the NBA, um, we think of ourselves as um, the basketball stars, LeBron James and all that, right? But you ever watch um, the pregames? You see LeBron or whoever working out with some guy. Right. You don't know who that right. guy is, but he's working out with him. I always ask myself, who is that guy? Like, why does he get to work mm-hmm. with LeBron like that, right? But that guy knows just as much, if not more, than a lot of NBA players right now because he is the one who's put in thousands of hours learning how to shoot and how to defend and all that. And then he may not be in the NBA or college basketball or whatever, but he has the wisdom and knowledge to impart that onto the people. And um, she said, she gave me a good analogy of like Tom Brady. Like you can ask Tom Brady, how do you throw a, a football? Right. He may not be able to tell you because he just, he knows how to do it. But you ask right. the guy who taught Tom Brady how to throw and he'll tell you about, here's how you put your legs and here's how you move your arm and, Keep your pan this way, not that way. Mm-hmm. They can give the mechanics about how to become a better player. So um, my identity isn't, I thought, was tied to becoming a person who has a name in the in the writing world, right? But what if my identity is really just to help other people? And I think that gives me a lot more satisfaction than who I thought I was before. Mm-hmm. That is really that is really satisfying to hear for a few reasons. I mean, one, yes, kudos. I'm glad you were able to discover that about yourself. But I think actually it's very relevant to people that listen to this podcast because a lot of them are, you know, they they're, they're younger writers or they're newer writers, and mm-hmm. you know they they may not be as deep into the field as say like I, I think I can reasonably say I'm deep in the field now. Yeah, I you think. Are. I'd say that. Just, just say, say it. That. Just say it, bro. <laughs> I have see, but this is this is the thing I'm still working on. I still have a very hard time owning that. Like right. you know, it's, it's even yeah, even with uh, even with the damn Hugo Award in my head, I'm still like, oh, I still have so much further to go. But I but I think for people that are listening, you know, they it, it's probably very refreshing to hear what you just said. And um, I would just piggyback off what you said too. And, and one of the things that caused for me, I think, like exponential growth in just my craft and writing was talking to other people about their writing and giving feedback about their writing and, you know, um, just exchanging stories. And like that, that was probably one of the quickest vehicles 
to becoming a better writer. So you saying that actually, I think is in line with a lot of what I've seen from other people in the industry and their journeys and whatnot. Well, Mm -hmm. I think that says a lot about the writing community too, is how we can help each other. You know what I mean? And, and, and why we read each other's stuff and why, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's important to take that role, um, often, you know, I think, I mean, and I think you're right. It helps, it helps us all if we can get to that point. Um, and do that. It's just funny that you said, who's the guy behind, uh, you know, the sports stars is my brother-in-law actually trains, uh, NBA players. And it's like, you know, he got mentioned very recently, like on an after, um, on like one of those, you know, after the game interviews or something. And it's like, that's the guy, but nobody ever talks about that guy. No one ever talks about the guy that gets those people to that point. You know what I mean? But that person is is integral to that person uh, you know that sports star getting to that level you know what i mean and and it's the same with writing i'm really glad that you said that um and there's a, a level of mentorship and support and community around that as well and i think that's really important especially if we're talking about you know writers like us <laughs> exactly so anyway. and it works inverse too because you can mm-hmm. give great feedback to someone but forget to apply that to your own writing mm-hmm. like yeah. i realized that just like a couple of days ago like um, I work with a couple of other writers and um, I can't remember exactly what the the point of it was, but I remember telling him the feedback that I learned, right? And then I go back to my story later on to write and I'm just beating myself up, right? And, and then I remember, wait, I just told him not to do this. Like, <laughs> why, why can't I apply it to myself? <laughs> so cut it out. And, <laughs> it forces self-awareness. It does force self-awareness. Because I mean, I literally, before we started recording, I was telling them that like, I basically realized today that I'm going to have to, that I've been writing a story wrong from the, that it's just wrong. And I have to like readdress it and restart it. And there was a point where I was like kicking myself in the ass. I'm like, oh, come on, man. What are you doing? This sucks. But then literally, just literally today, earlier today, I was telling a couple of other writers so that, that no words are ever w- wasted. Like all words mm-hmm. go towards you being a better writer. And like, I was like, Oh, what well, I need, I need to apply that to myself. So <laughs> I think, um, yeah, to what you, to your point, like there's definitely learning, like helping others, giving advice to other writers is as much a teaching tool as for yourself as it is for others. Definitely. So, yeah. So, yeah. So um, I think we've got time for uh, one more question here, yeah, which one, is the big one. One more yeah. and then the, yeah, totally. One more than the big one. Yep. Okay. So, okay. So one more. Uh, so let's just say you, so I know you're saying like you're, you're wanting to kind of be more of a mentor, you know, and help other writers, but in your own journey, like what would be like your dream project? Like what would be the thing that you would work on that would just, you could, kind of toss your hat up and be like, yep, that's, that's it. That's my seminal piece right here. Hmm. Um, I guess I have to pick one. Um, I want to do um, what I consider to be my, my trifecta. I want to do a, another short story collection. I want to do a novella collection of like four novellas in one. And then I want to do a good solid novel. Um, and just have all three of those under my belt. Um, I've written a story collection already, um, but that was in the before times, I like to say. So I want to write one with the things I learned now. Ooh, let's make that the big four because I want to do a horror collection too. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> let's make that four then. 
Well, um, after what I read, you 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 could definitely do the horror collection. Yeah, the horror one. I'm into that. Hey, can I ask yeah. you a question though, too, about the novel? Mm-hmm. Like, you you really um, we talked about this earlier. As far as relationships between people, would that be the focus of the novel that you're thinking of, or would it be similar to what we've re- what me and Brent have read, as far as the relationships between two people and the world around them in the novel form, or do you have something kind of um, something different in mind if you were going to write a novel right now. Um, So I know I said earlier that I shy away from genre fiction Mm -hmm. because it's just harder for me. Right. But when it goes to longer form stories, I go towards genre fiction because it's, it's very hard to maintain that level of minimalism and that sort of intimate conversation for me anyway, over a long period of time in a, in a novel. I don't know how I can do it. Like it's, just, I need something to happen to like get me there. Cause then I start questioning myself. Like, all right, are people getting bored reading this? Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 whatever. Um, so the first novel I wrote was a, more of a genre piece. It was action. Um, just a brief synopsis. It was, um, this guy creates a gas that keeps you from sleeping. I remember. <laughs> keeps you from sleeping. And it gets developed by a pharmaceutical company and then um, manufactured and tested on other people. And the guy who creates it realizes that the person who is um, behind manufacturing it is evil and the gas isn't working. Um, So he destroys it and he's running from everybody who's after him. Right. So the story is um, two parts is half of a journal entry. Actually the whole thing is a journal entry. He's writing about what's happening at the very moment where he's hiding to tell the story before he gets caught. So the world would know. Mm. And he also goes back in the past and explains how it all started. So it's, Okay. Um, it all converges into the present. Um, but that's, uh, it's, it's, um, paced, it's, um, action oriented. Um, and it, it has energy and it moves. I can't imagine doing the stories you've read, mm-hmm. um, over 250 pages. Like that is, I get tired just thinking about that really. So what I'm hearing <laughs> is you're going to write a horror novel. <laughs> I'm trying. I want to do um, a horror collection first, so I can just I practice it. more, and then That's hopefully cool. I can come up with a novel because I got a lot of ideas. But I'm trying to learn how to. All right. Learn I'm the rules just of so horror. happy that Sleepy Head is still a thing. I remember <laughs> yeah. that story. I, I remember, yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm actually really happy that story still is alive in some form. Yeah. Um. So Brent, before you ask the last question, I'm going to yeah. ask my other question. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, Kevin, I can't thank you enough, uh, obviously for being on the show and stuff, but, uh, we have one more question for you, but before that, um, just for our show notes and stuff, um, can you just throw out how people can find you if you're on social media and stuff like that, whether Twitter handle, website, Instagram, whatever, whatever you, if people want to follow you. Sure. Um, I kind of shy away from social media, so I got to get back on that, especially when it be a a Mitchell like I want, but, um, I'm on Instagram at DJ Ramrod, um, let me do a little disclaimer about that. Ramrod is from <laughs> um, when I was younger. My last name is Ramirez, and my friend would um, just be an asshole, call me Rodriguez. So we're like, all right, take the Ram from Ramirez, Rodden Rodriguez, Ramrod. That was my name. Gotcha. Um, all right. So teacher Ramrod at um, on IG, and um, hope to get a website going for um, you know mentor mentoring services and um, just general writing stuff. So. Mm-hmm. We get that back going. Well, when you do, let us know. We'll throw it yeah, in our Discord, and the people listening uh, can can hit you up on that. But I'm gonna turn it back to Brent for our last question. We like to end it there. So, what yeah. you got? 
so our last and final question. Um, we ask this of everybody, so it kind of bounces off the name of the podcast. But what keeps you writing? Hmm. I think what keeps me writing now is when I first started. I I have a therapist, and kids therapy is awesome. If you need it, do it. Um, but my therapist once asked me to write a story about myself, and um, I couldn't do it. I gave it a shot, and it was a terrible story. Um, I'm, I'm not doing that again. Um, but then after I changed as a writer, I realized that all the stories I've written have me in it. The story about the abortion, that's me in there. Like, it didn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. But the idea where he says, I don't know if I'm a good person, and I'm using this experience to try and create proof that I am, even though I'm probably, I don't feel like I am, that's me. Like, I often go through periods where I need to do something or have someone tell me that I'm a good person just so I can believe it again. Um, so what keeps me writing is the idea that now I am able to write about, find myself in my own writing. And that's a very new idea and concept for me. So it's something I'm really excited to keep exploring. And it's not something I have to force anymore. It just sort of comes naturally in my stories now, except for the horror story. That's not me. But <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's well, that, that, that's a great answer uh, this is this has been a lot of fun uh, super cool being able to catch up and you know for the audience I, I feel like there's a lot to take away from here uh, especially in terms of like I just know we're going to have comments about you being uh, nervous about genre because there's going to be so many yeah, feelings about that's gonna be good. so I'm waiting to see <laughs> I'm excited to hear what they say too yeah nah. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, thank you for doing this. This has been great. Um, Marsh, do you have anything else before we wrap it up? Or? No, I'm good. I just want to say thank you uh, for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your writing. Um, and and best of luck with everything. And, and hope we can do this again. Thanks a lot. Definitely. I'm really excited. This is a great opportunity. I'd love to do it again. Awesome. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.